You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. Happy Easter, everybody. He is risen. Come on, somebody watching on YouTube, what's the right response? There you go. Somebody said it right. You got it. I say he is risen, and the classic response is he is risen indeed. So welcome to Easter service. Thanks uh, to the Laird boys and to Helen for doing some worship this week, and for Ron also for playing that great Easter hymn, Up From the Grave He Arose. It's a great, great hymn. Thanks to everybody also who sent in a video clip answering the question, what does Easter mean to you? Appreciate that very much. And I hope you all enjoyed watching that clip. And thanks again to our online team who are working hard behind the scenes to put this together for us. What does Easter mean to you? It's a good question and I'm going to ask it multiple times today. Is it meaningful for you? Or is it meaningless? When you think of the Easter weekend, do you have thoughts of hope, love, freedom, victory? Or is it just a holiday from work and family get-togethers and you get to eat chocolate bunnies? Uh, Now, don't get me wrong. Family times are awesome. And eating chocolate bunnies is pretty awesome too. But Easter is a lot more than that. Last Sunday, we talked about Palm Sunday and how Jesus was entering into Jerusalem and the people were singing his praises and shouting Hosanna. And five days later, they're shouting for his death. And one day, he's the miracle man who is going to meet all of their needs. And, but then just a few days later, in front of Pilate, the crowd is easily convinced uh, that he's not who they thought he was and they shout, crucify him. The people had no idea how this story was going to end. In fact, even the disciples were confused when Jesus was arrested and sent to the cross. They they weren't getting it either. They ran away, and they abandoned him. Peter even denied knowing him. Jesus had told the disciples multiple times what was going to happen, and what was going to happen to him. But they simply weren't getting it. They weren't understanding. Here's a couple of examples. The first in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. It says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Here's another example in Mark chapter 9, verse 30. It says, leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee, and Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there. For he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed. But three days later, he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. See, the disciples had the facts, 
but they weren't putting two and two together. They didn't understand. And when Peter, Peter scolded Jesus, even for talking like that, he said, he said, Lord, that will never happen to you. Stop talking like that. And he got scolded for uh, responding to Jesus that way. When Jesus was condemned, the disciples ran away and hid. They were afraid for their lives. They were afraid that the same soldiers that came to get Jesus were going to come looking for them as well. They simply just weren't getting it. See, there are a lot of people who don't understand Easter, and that's why we're trying to ask the question today, what does Easter mean to you? People have heard the story, but they can't seem to wrap their minds around it. They, they don't seem to, to grasp the implication and the importance of it. What does Easter mean to you? Ask yourself that question. Do you believe this story? Do you believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose again? And do you understand what possible impact that can have on your life today? See, if it's true, then Jesus simply can't, he, he can't be written off as a good man or, or just a wise moral teacher. He claimed to be much more than that. So let me go through some of the facts of the story and explain some of these Easter details. The first is this. All four of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of those writers tell us in their writings that Jesus himself predicted that he would die, but that he would rise again on the third day. So you have four different writers writing to different people at different times, and they all mention this same thing, and they all write it down in their letters. It was a consistent truth. It was a consistent doctrine that they all wanted all of, their, all of their listeners and all of their readers to know. It was and still is a foundation of our faith. The Apostle Paul actually said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching and in fact our faith is useless. This is how important this truth is. It is vital. Jesus being alive means everything. So all four Gospels uh, mention this fact. The next point is that three days after the crucifixion, the tomb was empty. And the tomb never should have been empty. And that, that's, the, that's the point. There were Roman guards put around the tomb to make sure that the body of Jesus stayed right where it was. Why did they do such a thing? It's because the story of him rising again was so well known that even the religious leaders knew the story. And they wanted to make sure that nobody would come and steal his body and then start spreading rumors that he was alive. So they wanted to make sure that his body stayed in that tomb. They lied. And here's, here's, a, here's what Matthew says about it in Matthew chapter 28. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. 
This is what was going on. They all knew it was a lie. And the idea, by the way, of the disciples stealing his body was virtually impossible. They were still in hiding themselves. They were still afraid. And in fact, when they found out that the body of Jesus was missing, they were shocked and they didn't even believe it themselves. Here's here's this story in Luke chapter 24. And it says, the women were terrified and and bowed with their faces to the ground. This is the women that went in and and, uh, went to the tomb. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. So they didn't even believe the story. So to say that they came and stole the body is is nonsense. They didn't even believe it themselves. And, And there's been other things gone on over the years. Some have tried to say, well, the tomb was empty because Jesus really didn't die. And he snuck out while the guards weren't looking. I mean, just just think about how ridiculous that thought is. First, he's beaten within an inch of his life with 39 lashes. He's nailed to a cross through his hands and his feet. He hangs in the hot sun for six hours. And then he has a spear that's plunged into his heart. The Romans were experts at crucifixion. They did it often. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew, the soldiers knew, when someone was dead. It was their job to know. In fact, in Mark 15, look at these verses. It says this, This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. And as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate, and he asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the high council, And he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead. So he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead. So Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. See, the tomb was empty. Jesus was dead. The soldiers were guarding the place. But yet they couldn't produce a body. The tomb was empty, and it should never have been. The other thought about this story is this. The disciples were absolutely transformed. You see, at the time of the cross, the the disciples, like we said, were hiding. They were afraid. But after, shortly after, they were turned into men of courage who could not be stopped. Here's a uh, a little, a few verses from Luke chapter 24. It says this, Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how 
they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your, heart, are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. They didn't believe he was dead. And now here he is appearing. Uh, they, they didn't believe first that he was going to die. Now they had a hard time believing that the tomb was empty. And now here is Jesus standing in front of them, talking to them, and actually said later, bring me a piece of fish and let, let's eat together. And he ate and it convinced them that it was really him. And Jesus went ahead then and gave the disciples a job. Their job was to spread the good news of the resurrected Christ. And they, they were to do it with power. They were to do it with courage. And he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But he said, don't go yet. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come to give you the power and the anointing. And when you have the Holy Spirit, then you will go out in power. And we see in the book of Acts, you see when the Holy Spirit descends in Acts chapter 2, then the disciples go out with, with action and with power. And they would continue to talk about Jesus even when the authorities would threaten them with prison and with death. They were absolutely, completely changed. They were at one point afraid, but now they are actually unstoppable. I, I kid sometimes uh, people in the church will know, I say they, they went from Clark Kent into Superman. They literally transformed because of their, uh, their, their absolute conviction that Jesus was who he said he was and that he was alive and that he did rise from the dead. In fact, the, all the disciples were killed for their faith except for John. This is how strong they believed it. Here's another point. The Apostle Paul said, that he met the resurrected Jesus and that actually 500 others did as well. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, and it says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. This is what Paul says. Paul says, listen, I saw him and a bunch of other people saw him too. And in fact, most of these people, he says, are still alive. He says, look, like you can, you can go ask Jill. She's down there on Paradise Boulevard. Or you can go that way. Ask Jack. He's on Hallelujah Street. I mean, this is how confident he was. He says, 
They'll tell you what they saw. They'll tell you that they know he's alive. They'll, they'll say that they were an eyewitness to the fact. He seems willing to give names, even their addresses. He says there's 500 and more people that saw him alive. Paul, by the way, also died as a martyr for his belief in the resurrected Jesus. He started out, Paul, as a hater. He was a Pharisee. He was a skeptic. He, he, uh, he, pro he persecuted Christians and hated the believers of Jesus. But after meeting Jesus that day, his life and the direction of his life uh, was completely changed and transformed. There was also one other thing about the Easter story that I think is, is pretty compelling when you think about it. There, there's no ulterior motive, meaning the disciples and Paul and all the men and women who saw and believed in Jesus, they had no ulterior motive, meaning there's no money to be made. There's, there's no power or popularity to gain. There's no obvious advantage to claim this about Jesus. The exact opposite was, was really the truth. They, they faced persecution. They faced problems. They faced issues. There was, there was uh, just hassle to deal with to, for you to stand up and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the resurrected Son of God. Paul described some of his problems uh, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And he said this, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without even enough clothing to keep me warm. Why would men and women, Paul is just one example, there's lots of others, but why would men and women endure all this? Why would Paul endure all this for a lie? He believed it. In fact, he was convinced absolutely that it was the truth, and now he was compelled to spread the good news of Jesus no matter what, even to the point of death. So you have to ask yourself, what does Easter mean to you? If, if the crowds didn't understand that day, if the religious leaders refused to believe, and it even took a while for the disciples to get it, ask yourself the question now, in the year 2020, what does Easter mean to me? What does it mean? There was a person on crucifixion day, and let me just touch on this for a minute. There was a person on crucifixion day that actually did get it. And very, very few people were getting it that day. And the story is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? 
prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here we have a criminal deserving of death. He believed Jesus had a kingdom that was yet to come. He believed Jesus had a kingdom that was waiting for him. And his death on the cross was not the end. That there was more to life than what he was experiencing. And he believed in Jesus that day. It's remarkable. His faith, his belief is incredibly profoundly uh, uh, strong. No one really understands why or how he got the insight that he did. But that day, he was one of the few people who really, really got what was going on. And on a day when most everybody else wanted Jesus dead, there was somebody who decided to join him. I, I, I say sometimes, when everybody wanted to kill him, there was somebody who wanted to join him. And he was a criminal who was dying for his bad choices that day on a cross. He said, I deserve to die, but this man does not. It's a remarkable, remarkable turn of events. He turns to Jesus for help, for hope, for salvation, and that day he received it all. Amazing. Somebody said amen out there. See, so what does Easter mean to you? I encourage us all to answer that question with a level of seriousness and with a level of sincerity. See, if you believe the story of Jesus, that he died on a cross and that he rose again, then Easter means everything to you. Some of you will shout amen that he is your Lord. He is your savior. He is the one that brings life and hope and victory. He is the son of God who paid a debt that we could never pay. And we say glory to God. He did it and we receive it. Now there's, there's other people who don't understand it to be that way. We all know this though. We've all messed up. We've all sinned as the Bible calls it. We've all made bad choices and, and, and poor decisions. We've all had things that we look back and we regret that we've done and we wish we could change. That we're in need of God's forgiveness. All of us are. All of us are. And Jesus, you see, he never, he never claimed to be just a good person. He never claimed to be just a good teacher. He claimed to be the savior of the world. That's who he claimed to be. And that's what Easter is all about. So what does Easter mean to you? One last time, I'll ask you that question. Is it meaningful or is it meaningless? Easter can be incredibly meaningful. It can be life-changing. This day, your life can be different. God loves us so much that he sent his son to save us from our sins. And you can find him today just like the thief found him. Just like the thief found him that day. It takes one honest cry, one sincere cry, 
one, one cry of recognition that you are in need of a savior, one cry for help, he says multiple times throughout scripture, if you seek me, you will find me. If you come after me with your heart, I will come after you. He is the one who sent his son in the first place. God is the one who's looking for us. He is the one who gave us a savior. He is the one who is prepared to love us and save us and redeem us and forgive us. He is the one who wants to give us life and hope and freedom and encouragement and joy. He is that. And this is why Easter is so meaningful and so powerful and so transformative. Is Easter meaningful to you or not? What does it mean to you? It can mean everything if you would just simply cry out to Jesus in a sincere way. You'll find him crying and running to you. He will will come to you like you've never met anyone else before and your life can be changed. If you seek him, you'll find him. It's such a simple, simple thing in, in some ways to just simply say, Lord, I need you. I need your help. Please forgive me. Please help me. Please come into my life and change me. It seems like a very simple thing to do. It's a, humble, it's a humbling thing to do, I admit. But I encourage you, do it today. If you've never done it, do it today. Reach out to the church, our website, our email addresses. Click on the prayer request box on our website. But reach out to Jesus because he's reaching out to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for Easter. Thank you for the joy that it is. Thank you for the hope, Lord, that you brought into this world. That while we were sinners, Jesus came and died to pay the price so that we may have forgiveness and life, Lord, and hope that goes beyond this life, that we, Lord, will see you again, that heaven is our home. And thank you for all that you've done. Lord, I ask you today that you would encourage those that know you to live for you in these days, to be difference makers, to care for people, to love, Lord, all of uh, those that are around us, to really show, Lord, the difference that you've made in our lives, that we will go out of our way to be a blessing. And Lord, for those that are listening today that don't know you, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch people today, that you would minister powerfully, Lord, to those that don't know you, that they would see that you are real and that Easter can be meaningful and not meaningless if they would simply receive you into their lives. And so I ask you to do your work today, Holy Spirit. We love you and we bless you. And we thank you that in Christ, we have victory over sin and death. That, that like Paul said, oh, death, where is your victory? And oh, grave, where is your sting? For we have victory over both in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next week. Enjoy Easter and have fun with your family. And make sure, make sure you remain always ever thankful for the price that Jesus paid and for the love that he offers to you.
God bless. See you next week. You have been listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including events, ministries, and service time, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast store, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.